Well, this was fun. This was the first time I ever interviewed a NIM. And so this is a friend of mine who's pseudonymous online. And what's interesting about it is he chose to not represent his identity online, not necessarily because he has an urgent need around pseudonymity, but that he wants to get good at the tools and push the boundary and understanding and clarification and fixes in the tools so that people who do have a more desperate need uh, can have great tools when it's time. So he's kind of doing it out of service to the world rather than because of his own individual need today. Um, so one of the things, though, unfortunately, uh, we had the beginning of the interview cut off because he was using a special browser that I think he had a special setting on that didn't allow the video to be recorded properly and published. And so it took until about midway through the interview that we realized that was happening. We flipped out his other setting and flipped to a new setting, and then we pick up there, and that's where we pick up the interview. So I tried to summarize a little bit of it at the beginning here, um, but uh, but just know that when you're playing with these new privacy tools, uh, things can be a little dicey and more challenging than you might expect. Um, so all that is to say, we we got together to talk about uh, Noster and you know kind of more broadly talked about freedom technologies. And uh, we talked about his purpose in being a pseudonym uh, online. We talk about uh, how to get started playing with the dark web just to try to understand more about uh, the tools that might be available for that um, and kind of what inspires his passion around these types of technologies. And we talk about kind of Noster and its kind of privacy orientation versus not and the um, the politics of privacy technologies. We talk about... Uh, how tools that were built in a lightning environment like Stacker News and Geyser, how they might consider adapting or how they consider about the service that they might present to the world, given that now Noster is a thing and it's been discovered, invented, and it might be useful to reconsider what parts of those services will be uh, the same and which parts of those might evolve. And then we talk more broadly about squinting to see the future and what kinds of experiences could be built and how you could have maybe an interoperable uh, messaging or publishing or consumption interface in the future for all of the different modalities that you might want to consume from. Uh, and at the end, we talked about designing for emergence, which is an area that uh, Nout is very passionate about, but, uh, but we haven't had a chance to go deep in it yet. So I left a link in the description and we'll most certainly do a follow-up uh, discussion where we'll make a video pod and talk more about designing for emergence as well as a whole host of other topics that we've got planned. So um, I hope you enjoy this one. It's the first time I ever uh, did an interview with a pseudonym online. So I hope you find it interesting and I hope it inspires some thinking around Noster. All right, I'm back, hopefully. Okay, so you're in a new browser? Yeah. <clears throat> cool. <laughs> um, yeah, and this is, this is fun of it, right? Like none of this is easy. Yeah, but you know, no pain, no gain. Uh, right. Well, I mean, it, I think it's good that you know well, there's you know that you're struggling through it as somebody who's informed, but not in desperate need of it. Because there's somebody mm -hmm. out there either today or in the future is going to be in desperate need of it, and they don't they're not going to be able to struggle through it. There's going to be somebody who can't struggle through it the way you can because you're just so much more informed about the goals and what you're trying to accomplish. Mm -hmm. So I think it's a, a good service that you're providing to the world. And it's, it's good to kind of like, you know, test it out sort of deeply, like the one thing, one journey that is interesting, like if someone is interested in uh, how do you get like a full best privacy setup, uh, like how would you do that, right? Like there's many tutorials, how can you trust them? Um, and so my suggestion is like go and follow the steps that the folks that their life depends on it actually use. Right. Mm -hmm. And so this means like venturing, for example, into the space of darknet markets, right? Mm. Like trying to set up darknet markets, following, following the right tutorials, right? That is like mm -hmm. a darknet Bible is a good initial tutorial that people would use. Uh, that is definitely eye opening, uh, because a lot of the technologies that in this space, we sometimes talk about, yeah, that's a privacy technology. It's, it's so great. Um, no, it's definitely not enough. Right. If you're um, uh, if you are trying to defend yourself against actor of a government level, which mm -hmm. in the darknet markets you are, then the current technologies we are using here and talking about here are definitely not enough. Right. And so that's a really interesting to kind of venture into that and try setting it up. Like you don't mm -hmm. need to buy anything or anything, right? Like just like right. try to get yourself in a darknet market and see if you can do it properly. You know. Um, do you? Can you give us a little bit of a 
beginner's guide to this? Because how, you know, let's say I wanted to set this up. I've never done that before. If I were to set this up, I'm, you know, generally familiar with a lot of the technologies and, you know, different browsers and VPNs and, and Tor and stuff like that. But like, I don't know, like the recipe or the sequence of things to explore. So I wonder if you could just give a little bit of a rundown on what that might look like. Mm -hmm. So often like the first step would be the setup of your machine, right? Like you definitely do not want to use any of your current hardware that has already been connected and already fingerprinted, uh, right? So this would mean like, uh, you know, the, the basic tutorial is essentially you get yourself an operating system on a little USB flash card. Uh, you probably tails, the other one is cubes. Mm -hmm. Those are like the two main ones. Uh, you would get tails. Then you need a machine that's clear and you just bought it. And hopefully you bought it without really like, uh, referencing your face on a camera in the store or something mm -hmm. like that. Right. Mm -hmm. So you have to be careful about the buying stuff. Uh, yeah. And you boot the system. Um, you only, you know, they mentioned only... face in a store is the only way that you would buy it is in person. You would not buy it uh, online because it would have some tracking as it's delivered to your address. Probably right. And when you when you kind of get into the deeper guides, um, they, yeah, I don't want to like talk about too much because some of this may be incriminating. But some folks <laughs> would have a special front and new addresses that they will mm. use for specifically for delivery of items. Uh, mm -hmm. Right, and then there is always between the sellers. You see the conversation whether the location is burned or not, whether mm. you know, let's say, feds already have it, you know, a, a location mm. of it and such. Um, mm -hmm. So it's a it's a little complicated, right? But it's good yeah. to see the tools. And what is really interesting to see, uh, especially coming from like tails and darknet markets, how much of that is using the most basic technology, right? We are like literally, it's using PGP for signing. Um, mm -hmm. and it, you are using that to sign messages that you send to each other and for encryption. Um, mm -hmm. and that, that's the baseline, right? Uh, another interesting aspect, you know, definitely that, uh, the, the economy works on top of Bitcoin, but there is a space that is based on Monero. And a lot of that interaction mm -hmm. is like, Hey, how do you switch from Bitcoin into Monero from Monero back? That's mm -hmm. a reality of thing, right? And that's why I'm saying for folks check the reality, right? Like check what the people that actually need this, if they yep. don't have it, they get killed, right? That, that's the reality. Mm -hmm. People yep. that need this, what do they use? And so that's a good learning experience, I would say. Right. And when you, when you talk about sort of the people who need it might get killed, I, it kind of makes me wonder, is there something like, what got you turned on to this in the first place? Do you know people who've been through uh, you know, disastrous situation like that, or you're just as a technology thinker, you can see this potential future happening, or was there something in your childhood that sort of left mm -hmm. a mark or kind of set the course of your life? Yeah. You know, as, as folks may be able to tell from my accent, I come from, uh, not, not us and I come from post-communist country. And part of that is that like, that's a native experience, right? Like the experience that, uh, someone is watching you, someone is telling on you. And when they do, and you are caught doing the thing, you and your family be in a prison, right? Mm. And, you know, we didn't, in a family, we didn't have like a direct experience with prison like that, but there were definitely big inconveniences uh, mm -hmm. because of being against the regime, right? Being against- And you knew, you knew people who had a more prison-like experience or yeah. it, was, it was palpable. It felt, felt common in life maybe. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you know, to, it's, I should say that I'm, I'm, you know, I have been there for only a couple of years of my life in that, in that mm -hmm. system and, you know, baby. So I yeah. don't have like a direct experience, but what I do have is the, the stories and the experience from the people that were in that time. Right. And so right. that's part of it. Right. So, you know, I, I see it real and, uh, the people are thinking about technologies like that. Right. And it's kind of mm -hmm. like a native, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like how do we do a anonymous conversation? Obviously, you know, and so people think right. about that. Um, which by the way, like, for example, a story that I actually had with, from a friend, um, they, let's say his mother, um, somehow when it was like at the early nineties and his mother found out that her house is on something like Google maps, right? I think it was literally mm -hmm. Google maps, right? Mm -hmm. Which currently everything is mapped. You, you can see it everywhere. Right. When she mm -hmm. found out, she started crying. 
right? Mm. Like it, it goes that deeply, right? Like the fact that people are uh, sort of traceable and visible from someone else, right? And from anyone online or from a government perspective, that right. is really worrying to people, right? Even yeah. though, you know, that said, like technically speaking, there wasn't any risk coming from this, but you can see right. that the people think that way. Um, yeah, so that's, that's one part of the story. Second, I'm always interested in technology and I like to play with stuff, right? Mm -hmm. Like since I was a kid, I was always in some of those like chat groups and communities and yeah. you know, things like people won't remember at all, but like DC++ had actually interesting chats. Um, yeah, and it would always be fun to kind of hang out and have a community. I was, we, we were enemies back then, but it felt natural. Like, you, you know, you would, you would never talk about your name. Why would you? Um, right. But it's do you, interesting. Do you ever, do you ever consider uh, different names outside of, is it, is it Nout is the way you pronounce it? Yeah. So outside of Nout, do you have other personas that you might use online or is Nout your kind of core representation or that maybe in other communities you, you represent as something else? I, I use different. Um, I use different, but it also, I would say like changes over time. So I always have like a, in a five years span, I have like a one main one and then, hmm. then that gets somewhat burned. So I use a new thing. I see. Um, yeah, so well, constantly I, you know, moving new community, around. new technology, and we'll see. Yeah, yeah. And, and what is it sort of, how does your enthusiasm for, uh, let's say, Noster play into this? Because Noster is not particularly, it's not anonymous in any way, or it's not, uh, you know, it, it's freedom in certain ways, but it's not particularly privacy-oriented mm -hmm. today, right? So do you do you look at it and you know, just you can squint and see that future or is it just a different type of freedom tech that maybe doesn't overlap with your privacy interests? I would say Noster, the architecture could be used in that like anonymous or pseudo anonymous way, right? There is um, mm -hmm. like as soon as you are anonymous to the point where you send something to the relay, uh, no one knows about you, right? And if you do it in a way that you don't use any uh, specific IP address, maybe you go through Tor, some of the mm -hmm. like, support Tor, some of the paid ones, um, you're good sort of from privacy perspective. But okay, maybe maybe like the how how the layer above it, how to think about that. So I see that there are uh, there is information that you that is between maybe only yours or between you and your friend that you no, never want to get exposed. Mm -hmm. Right, there is a one type of information, and then we have the other type of information where you want everyone or as many people to be able to see it and you want no one to be able to suppress it mm -hmm. right and that's right. almost the decision that like you can make right the, the first one is the peer sort of communication right with you have a yep. secret chat or communication with someone whereas when you have your social life and your you have your public persona or online persona you want everyone to be and the opposite yep. right you want yep. no one to be able to like hide it and and block you and suppress you and and, and make make sure that you are not exposed, right? Um, right? And so both of those sides are part of the story. And that's where Noster is, where it has the strength, is in this like, you post it once, it's there forever. You know, mm -hmm. like if you kind of, you know, maybe, maybe you need to do a little bit of work, maybe you have your personal relay, maybe you give yep. a little extra money to a relay that stores the data for you, something like that. But in a sense, you do it once, anyone, you know, it's the information is there. Um, right. And we need a combination of both. And so mm -hmm. that's that's how I see it. And that's where I see the, the value in Nostra, right? And I'm excited about it. Yeah. Do you think that there's, you know, I, I know one of the things that has been a common topic that comes up is around the way DMs work today on Nostra. Mm -hmm. So, you know, DMs, uh, you know, obviously reveal a lot of the metadata because it is more in that latter category you mentioned around, you know, things that you want yep. everybody to be able to see. But obviously in a DM context, you really don't want everybody to be able to see it, but it's just convenient for DMs to be hooked up to the place where, you know, it's otherwise the global water cooler. So do, mm -hmm. do you sort of imagine that Nostra as a protocol would end up kind of also solving for those private use cases better? Or do you think that it just becomes a kind of an identity hub and then the actual private communication happens through some other mechanism that's either yet to be invented or some other technology tool we already have that's that, that executes it well 
I kind of think the latter, right? Like, or at least currently in none of the Nostra techno technologies, I've seen, I haven't seen anything that would be like solving this well, or even possible to solve it. So yeah, I think like the really the private communication, the anonymous or even private communication between you and your family or friends, I do not see that part of Nostra. Like Nostra currently, mm -hmm. as you said, collects a lot of metadata across the whole, whole path. The mm -hmm. only encrypted thing out of the whole thing, the only encrypted thing is the message itself, right? Mm -hmm. and, and okay, so that's a, that's a good start, but not, not great, you know. And again, we kind of have to think about like, what is your risk profile? Like, who are right. you trying to defend yourself against, right? So, yep. you know, if it's against your prankster friend, you know, that's a different mm -hmm. situation, then you need like a better locking on your phone and you're good, right? Or, you know, that's right. like a different risks. Um, yeah, but I don't see Nostra being used for, or being a good idea to be used for uh, like right. a DM uh, private communication. Right. But it, it seems like maybe one of the places to where it could be useful is in being this identity hub, which helps, or, well, I don't know if even Nostra or, uh, you know, maybe there's a lot of talk of Web5 and DIDs and other ways to do identity, but effectively the identities that get established with the public-private key pairs and the publishing on Nostra gives you some representation that, this is the real NOT, and this is the real DK. And then from that, uh, you know, maybe we go off and use some other more you know, privacy-specific mm. design technology, not kind of a broadcast technology to do that. And, and in that world, do you, are there, you know, I've played with lots of the tools, but I don't, I wouldn't claim to have a deeply informed opinion about the trade-offs of each or which ones are good. So I think you know, things like Signal come to mind. I use Signal a lot, and I've heard some people have some concerns with it or you know some people think it's kind of the solution i wonder if you could give us a little overview like is signal a good thing or does it have some trade-offs that you're uncomfortable with and are there other things that you would suggest we look at right and so first i have to uh preface it like i'm not i'm not expert right so don't anyone listening don't listen to me too much. <laughs> uh this is i'm the user i'm having the experience but yeah uh, i use signal and i i think it gets definitely multiple things right there is a security issue, which is around centralization, right? That like all of your communications have to go through the centralized server. And even though encrypted, and even though we have proofs, at least as much as we can get that, like there is not much that uh, the signal servers can actually do. Uh, there is some level of risk where they would be able to get the keys to maybe de decrypt your conversation. And those, because those mm -hmm. are using like a native sub chip in Intel processors, mm -hmm. right? I don't remember exactly the full story, but there is this like, mm -hmm. uh, you are using Intel IGS or something like that. And that has the issue. Um, that said, it seems to be like a good balance and it does a lot of things right by really being careful about not let, uh, leaving around any metadata other than the last time you logged in, right? So, mm -hmm. and you can see it, like you, the, the signal.org website publishes when they get requests from uh, government, right? From three letter agencies, they get requests and they always mm -hmm. publish publicly like what they replied. And they were like, mm -hmm. for this specific person, you guys are interested in this phone number. We, the only information we have is the last time they signed in. Sorry, we cannot do any more. We don't have any more, right? So, okay. So mm -hmm. that's at least like a decent proof that this, that there is value and it seems to be working. Um, the issue, you know, the one part of the issue with Signal is that it requires a phone number, uh, mm -hmm. which is obviously allows to, to kind of trace you and understand. So you kind of, you use it yep. only in the situations when it's yeah, like your friends that you would give the phone number to anyway. Right. right. You cannot like really use it with like a randos online for, for something. Um, right. So all of this is balance. There is no perfect solution that I have seen. Well, yeah. Right. Is, is there uh, any kind of new projects in the works or people, you know, like new theories or hypotheses you've heard that maybe fix some of the, the concerns around signal, or is that kind of probably going to be the best we have for the next, I don't know, months and years, you think? Yeah, probably for months to come. Uh, there has been rumors that they are going to remove the requirements uh, for phone number. Um, so that would be helpful uh, thing. Mm -hmm. uh, there are also ways that you can actually use lightning to get yourself a phone number, uh, mm. which is that that helps. And I've actually used so you're saying use lightning, meaning pay some provider via lightning and not have it tied to any 
other phone number or physical address if you want to. I'm, I'm uh, blanking on the name of the service, but literally mm-hmm. you go to a website and it's like, hey, pay, you know, 5,000 sets, you get mm-hmm. phone number. And even on the website, so for example, it could be for like a message verification, but anyone can see it, right? But it will mm-hmm. be like, on the website, you will immediately see the, the verification SMS, the short message that you get from the provider. You can just copy the code and boom, you use the verification using this phone number situation. Um, and see. you pay with Lightning. So there are also ways how to get uh, more uh, anonymous SIM cards. Um, mm-hmm. Again, I would have to look through my memory document where I have like mm-hmm. all of the links. Uh, right. But yeah, there are ways. What, what would be, are, are there current regulations that are limiting what you might consider things that you think should be more permissible, but which are not like, so I, I don't know the regulation at mm-hmm. all, but you know, I could imagine that, you know, the telecommunications infrastructure is well-regulated and maybe there's some almost, I don't know, is there something of like a KYC for phone numbers? And so if you're using lightning to get a phone number, you're kind of playing in a, a gray area or what, what is yeah. the state of the world? And what, what do you think is maybe, um, you know, due for a re-examination potential change? Yeah, and this is interesting. And I, it, we seem to be getting out of the world of like requiring SIM cards and some of them are electronic now and they have usually goes in a way that they have even more tracking. Uh, mm-hmm. It definitely changed over the years. And from if, as far as I know, like for example, in US, you are no longer allowed to uh, get a, a phone number or a card without your ID, right? There are still countries around the world, multiple in Europe I know about that mm-hmm. where you can actually go and, you know, pay money, here you go, little box with a SIM card you can use. Uh, mm. So that's, you know, the regulation has been definitely going in a space like, yeah, we track everyone and everything they do. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, and I guess some of the, definitely the electronic sort of services where you order your eSIM sort of online, uh, they are in a gray area. And it's not clear, mm-hmm. like, if they are always going to be there or if they are going to disappear in some jurisdictions, let's say. Right. Do- <laughs> So have when you, I think have about you used, have you used any uh, like a kind of privacy technology like this? Have you tried anything like that? Uh, meaning using a SIM that's not my physical SIM. Mm-hmm. Um, I've I've not used a SIM separate from my physical SIMs, so mm-hmm. I uh, I haven't really studied that world well. I, I mean, I, I guess like maybe one analogy would be Proton Mail. So I think Proton Mail is kind of a similar concept, but not around mobile phones, but around email. So it's, you know, mm-hmm. just some server you can pay. I think they run it out of, is it out of Switzerland or somewhere Yeah. Um, where you can just pay and get it. And they don't really ask you to tie it to some other, you know, uh, backup or SMS or other, uh, you know, kind of identity. So I think I've, I played around with that stuff. Um, uh, pretty, pretty familiar and comfortable with it. Um, I think that's a, a good, a good tool for freedom, but I, I was going to ask, you know, broadly within this space i i generally like it because i like tools that empower people to push back and to have more of their own ability to sort of live their lives but um but i don't i don't really i wouldn't say i'm very anchored in a in one political view or another but i think a lot of people who hear about these concerns you know, would categorize it as something, I don't know if is it libertarian or, or, or maybe it's a, a Republican type view or something. I don't, I don't know if that's, if that's how people would characterize it, but I wonder if you could share some of how you might describe it to somebody who sees it as a very political thing and who mm-hmm. doesn't see it more as a, a human right. Well, that's what I would try to actually explain to them that like, you know, don't view it as a political thing. Like it's every individual's right. And we need to fight for that because otherwise we are going to end up really bad. Right. Like, you know, I, I, I think I said somewhere that like, I don't believe in heaven, but I believe in hell. And we, if we mm-hmm. do things wrong, we can end up in hell. Um, and so, yeah, I would try it like explaining to the person, like, why is that? And to note, right. So, uh, the, I'm a, you know, the, let's say the U.S. political system, like you have kind of the left and you have the right and they have been mm-hmm. like so far from each other recently. Yeah. This is not how the, the questions are split in other countries, right? Like mm. you have this strong left, strong right, and they have the opinions right. from what I'm, where I'm from, 
It's actually like a, almost like a horizontal line, right? We have the things on top and the things on the bottom in some sense. Like it's that different. So if I see like the US people on the right, half of what they say totally makes sense. Half of what they say, total crazy. <laughs> Same on right. the left. Um, and so that's kind of, you know, the first thing is try to get yourself out of this model that you have to be part of one of those two groups uh, because I that's see. not reality in the rest of the world anyway. Um, yeah. Are there, are there certain flavors of the kinds of things that cause, you know, like why does in the US the right and left exist and what are the features that cause that type of split? Is it something maybe in the history or some cultural thing or sociological or the way media works? Or mm. in, in what what causes the you know the horizontal line with the above and below to be a different split? Like what are the features? Is it, is it like, oh, fiscal lives above and social lives below? Or it's a there's a religious belief in a certain place that causes you know, these to sort of all be gathered in, in this end of a spectrum or kind of in this area of a quadrant. Honestly, it could be any of that. Like I, you know, I, I thought about it, but I was unable to come up to like, where is this actually coming from? Um, yeah, but there are big differences and, you know, part of that could be something with religion, although like hard to say, like, I don't know. I don't know. I can tell you, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Is there is there a a future you see where the 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 spectrum gets reoriented and and what would be a driver of of that reorientation? I think you know from the basic stuff that I know from history, I know or it seems to me that those positions have like switched and they switched once in a couple of generations. Um, hmm. And it's, it's maybe, it may be just the nature of the problem that it's cyclic, right? That like mm -hmm. you have the, you have the revolutionaries and they have the revolution, but then they do. And then what, you know, now they are the main one. And then you have the new people that do the revolution and they, you know, defeat the base. And now they are the one, the winning, right? The ruling class. Yeah. So, you know, um, yeah. But so it's a little bit I, of like a, maybe a pendulum swing that, you know, every generation wants something a little bit different than be, the one before. Be. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, um, it's always like young kids have like, what are the young kids doing? And they are like, what are the old you know people? Why are they preventing <laughs> us from doing the thing we want? And so right. that is multiple sort of people in a disagreement. And yeah. I, I was just hanging out with a friend yesterday who identifies as Gen X you mm -hmm. know, from age perspective. And he was asking us a kind of an interesting question, which was like, you know, if I say the term sellout, who comes to mind first? Mm -hmm. And, you know, then there was like some discussion around that. And I raised the point that I'd heard, I think I saw on Twitter or something that, it, you know, in maybe a Gen Z, the concept of sellout doesn't even exist. It, the, yeah. the concept is like, get that bag. <laughs> you know, it's just what, what maybe Gen X would have called selling out gen z celebrates as you know just you know scrape some money off mm -hmm. the man right <laughs> so it's uh it's a, a very like a tick and a tuck of a mm -hmm. pendulum that uh really alternates views there could be easily right but like the thing to note uh only us sort of has this gen x gen z uh like that mm. right like in other countries it's not a meaningful separation um, mm. And, you know, part of it may be uh, that it depends, like, when the country's industrialized in the you mm -hmm. know, 19th and 20th century, um, when did they move to cities? When did that happen, right? Yep. And so, it, yeah, this is, is, it's interesting because, like, people in the U.S. are like, hey, Gen X this and Gen Z uh -huh. that. Uh, right. Not generally applicable at all. <laughs> right. Okay. So it's not, a, not as much a global phenomenon as maybe it seems mm -hmm. <laughs> to me living in San Francisco, yeah, yeah. talking to... Yeah. <laughs> Other uh, other so U.S. World, right? people. <laughs> Sorry. How I'm, is the uh, cold, by the way? How is the it, it has the been cold here? Recently, isn't it? Oh, it's been crazy. Yeah, I don't know if you saw <laughs> any of the pictures on Twitter, but uh, some friends have been going up. You know, Marin County is just just north of the city mm -hmm. here, and it's you know this kind of bucolic, you know, uh, you know, usually very sunny and warm place, and mm -hmm. uh, and they actually have snow on the top of Mount Tam, and there's oh, wow. people. You know, it's very little bit of snow. But it's enough <laughs> that it's like worth, you know, everybody wants to go out and go crazy and like, hey, there's at least a little bit of snow. Let's go. So people are dragging <laughs> their skis up, you know, skis they would have for going to the mountains. They yeah. actually grab them and, uh, you know, coastal California doesn't really have 
a very skiable climate at all, much, much more Mediterranean, but uh, people are dragging their skis up to Mount Tam to try mm. to, you know, get a, you know, a few, a few inches of uh, run in <laughs> with, the, with their skis, that, that, trying to stay fun. warm. <laughs> and I wonder, like, yeah, is this global warming finally making everything more interesting or what is happening? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, there was a, uh, there was a, a topic that, uh, I was, I wanted to raise, I think we had it on our, our list of things, <clears throat> but I don't want to speak out of turn in, uh, in revealing something, but we were talking about stacker news and geyser was, were each topics. And I think you, you're a user at least, but maybe you, do you know the people or you're, you're yeah, more connected? I, I know than... the folks and, uh, yeah, I have helped both teams, um, both as a user, both by putting some stats in. Cool. Yeah. Say, so, yeah. uh, yeah, so that, that's enough foundational for what I, what I wanted to ask. Cause I think, um, you know, the, the type, so stacker news, I'll just give like the overview is it's basically, you know, a subreddit like experience where you have to use Satoshi. So you have to use Bitcoin to pay to post, to pay, to upvote something, et cetera. And then geyser is basically a crowdfunding platform based on Bitcoin, right? Is that a, a reasonable summary very, of each? Yeah, very good, very good. Okay. And so, uh, you know, I've, I've, I'm passionate about like these kinds of tools that provide really good use cases for Bitcoin to uh, be more useful in the world. Uh, you know, instead of just store of value, you can actually use it for payments and to transact and to transact in ways that really couldn't be done before. So that's kind of why, why I'm always leaning in and paying attention to that stuff. It feels very new and fresh and it helps uh, these freedom uh, technologies get get more broadly adopted, but the the kind of question I've been asking myself, and I'd like to hear your opinion since you're sort of close to some of the the um, the technologies and the people, is you know if you know before Nostra existed, I think there were it's kind of a a landscape of trade offs that people would make when building these tools that are not really the tools themselves are not designed to be decentralized. The tools are more like willing to take the centralized compromise in order to make the decentralized money work better. And now with the emergence of Noster, it almost seems like there's an opportunity for the tools themselves to be decentralized. And so I wonder like between those two, you know, maybe Stacker News and Geyser, and maybe there's even other ones you have in mind, uh, but what's your best sort of advice or thinking when talking to those teams? Do you think that these should all become clients of Noster, or is there some reason to slow down and stay the course uh, and, and sort of, yeah, just what's your thinking around the mm -hmm. general space of people building on Bitcoin or building on Lightning? Yeah, and I think there, Noster brings a lot of advantages, right? Like, as you said, it, we have sort of finally a good decentralized ID space for people to have like their ID. Uh, and it makes sense to connect it with tools like this, right? I, I like that. Um, that said, you know, like both would have to be careful uh, in in kind of moving through the space. Uh, it definitely the the big opportunity for both second use and Geyser that I see is in the fact that they can work fully globally, right? Mm -hmm. That is because they carry uh, all, you know on top of the Bitcoin network, which is fully global money. Anyone from any place in the world can donate to someone else in a second, right? Without anything. Uh, at the same time, both in both cases, their centralized nature makes it a little risky, right? Like that is obviously if someone wants to do a, put a pressure, that's where, where they would put the pressure. Um, right. And so the Nostra may be a good solution for the ability to know, like not put a pressure on the team. And we'll see, we'll see how that works out. Like, I'm, you know, my mm -hmm. recommendation will be like, Let's explore it. Let's try your best. Let's do all sorts of things, but also be careful, right? Because like you have to think about what is the core of the value that you are providing and what is the, the experience that you want the users to, to have and what are the mm -hmm. things you need to do to uh, make your platform or tool secure. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a little open and I'm excited about both. I'm excited. What, and I know that they have been looking into Noster and I'm excited about uh, where is that going to go? Um, and I know, you know, like I know from second news, Kian, uh, he's been definitely from the beginning, from our conversations in the very beginning, he's been like, yeah, I want to figure this out, how to have it decentralized eventually. 
Uh, yep. that, that made me excited. That made me excited for sure. And similarly yep. with Geyser folks, right? They, they had a, like, hey, this is the part of the thing that needs to be open sourced. This mm-hmm. is how we take advantage of the existing open source technologies to just be the connecting point. We are no longer even serving like the money transfer, right? It's just right. us connecting the dots between the people. Um, and that, that kind of gives them the wiggle room to, you know, have a, some safety. Um, right. Yeah, both exciting. In, like, I'm, I'm really in, happy with this. Case. Are there, are there, I know that um, in Stack News, I, I follow Stack News probably a little bit closer than Geyser. So I know that uh, Kian has been experimenting. Did you see Booger, the relay yes. project that he just launched? So did, he's. Did, uh, did, he, did he do something with it or did he, is it just a relay or does it do something? Well, it's a relay. I think it's kind of meant to be a simple relay. The kind of idea is not to build the best relay right now. The idea is to help Kian get experience, kind of mm. tearing it down from scratch, like building up what are the basics of what a relay is and how do you make the simplest relay that. You know, I think Kian's so humble. He's like, even even I can understand. You know, kind of what's going on. Here. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, so he he wants to start it kind of from scratch, and then I, mm-hmm. I suspect as he learns, he'll figure out which direction he wants to take it if he wants to pursue it, and sort of how it fits into Stacker News. Um, so I think that's like a, a positive uh, movement. I think he also may have said something about Stacker News becoming a Nostra client, if I recall. I think. I think that was said this past mm-hmm. week on, on Stacker News. Um, and then, but I, I don't know sort of the Geyser team. Are they exploring, um, are they exploring building relays? Are they playing with existing relays? Are they exploring uh, making Geyser a Nostra client or what, what would that look like? So I've definitely seen them exploring Nostra uh, as in like using it. Uh, and they have been, really good on getting, uh, like using the recent, uh, lightning technologies and the recent specs and like uh, ideas and projects really well, right. They have been doing it really well. Mm-hmm. So they have this full, like lightning address integration. You can connect your node. Uh, they have a good onboarding experience that almost like lets you connect the node immediately. Um, so I'm excited about that. I don't know if they are actually doing, how would that work? That's it, right. That's a good question. Um, I guess Nostr does well with uh, like sort of having the communication layer, right? It's like a good mm-hmm. base protocol for communicating and sending things around. Uh, in Geyser, that's definitely like desirable for community where, you know, Geyser is this fundraising sort of platform where people create campaigns and other people can invest, right? Mm-hmm. You know, over using Satoshis. Uh, and so I think one key aspects of that is building community around the, the campaign or the effort or the project. Right. And that involves like, yeah, let's get the folks excited. Let's have like a direct communication and the lead is going to be replying you as soon as you like support this couple of sets, you get direct access. You can like chat with the person, uh, you know, stuff like that. Right. And kind of creating the community. And so that's where maybe Nostra could be used. Right. That kind of would make sense. Um, Mm -hmm. and especially as Nostra becomes easier uh, to, you know, kind of for normies, let's say to, to use yeah. in applications, that could be a really nice, nice way. Yeah. Right. Are there, are there features of say like broadly crowdfunding that, uh, you know, wouldn't work on Nostr? So I'm thinking about, you know, mm-hmm. if there, you know, if there's customer service, probably Nostr is not going to do a good job of customer service. It's just a protocol. Right. Um, so that seems like the kind of thing that, uh, could be. Uh, more of a of a the function of a centralized company and a centralized provider providing it, but like setting up a campaign seems like something that you know we don't have it yet today. But you could imagine a note itself as a campaign, and you could imagine whether it's you know protocol innovation or new client innovation. But you could imagine sort of the whole experience of creating a campaign, setting the numbers, all those replies, all the fundraising happening in a you know, over kind of this messaging protocol. And so I wonder sort of if you pick apart the pieces, what are the things that, uh, that Geyser will focus on in a Nostr world? And what are the things that Geyser will sort of outsource to Nostr in that world? And if, you know, I always think about things like, you know, customer service or like, uh, you know, maybe there's like market making, if there's some sort of like trust layer needed to ensure that the campaign is legit or, you know, some sort of reputation that's not otherwise expressible 
in the messaging protocol, maybe that kind of thing should live as part of a centralized provider. But I don't know if you, be, if you have any other yeah, other categories like or things. The identity of people, like if you sort of need some like basic layer of verification, like verifying that someone has a Nostra account, and maybe they are in one of the relays that are that you prefer or something like that. That may be interesting. Um, like. I, Across, you know, all of the projects, what's the one thing that seems to be missing currently with Nostr, we, or at least I haven't seen, like, a, that you need, like, a single uh, really good node, and there's a lot of functionality around that node, and then all of the Nostr features, like a community around it, right? Mm -hmm. And I have seen some group chats, maybe that's part of it. You could, you can comment on a single node, maybe that's part of that. But having like a rich sort of base application that's well-defined and known, and then people interact and create like a threads around it and conversations around it, that seems to be kind of missing. And mm. what you, you said, right, like with the, the business front or something like that. So I actually see that there's a big opportunity. The, when you travel around like Central and South America, around Latin America, uh, most of the businesses are on WhatsApp. What, what does mm -hmm. that mean, right? Like to, to someone in the US, it's like, what do you mean? That doesn't make any sense. Uh, right. The, like literally you will have ad and like, hey, we, you know, fix your garden, WhatsApp number. Hey, yeah. uh, we can we can get, you know, uh, or even you go to a, to a hotel and a hotel has a WhatsApp number. Hey, mm -hmm. do you want a room service? You text on WhatsApp and they even yep. have even automation, right? So uh, you like open their number and it already has like a business, like, hey, select one of the options. What would you like? Would you like a room service? Would you like this and right. that? And so they have like a clear business front, right? And that's something that could be replicable using the Nostra technologies. And I'm, yep. I'm like, yeah, I'm just waiting for someone to figure it out. Yeah, so kind of business, uh, kind of business customer service yep. via business but via maybe like there's a QR code or something that connects to a NPUB or something um, that lets me contact the like business we, and then the whole suite of, of tools. The, right, we need, we need the basic, like we need the, the campaign or the, the, the business front ID or something like that, right? Like there needs to be like the, the entity and then you can have surrounding interactions using Nostr. Like that technology, right. that platform then works really well. Yeah. It makes sense. It, it it does seem like that would be, you know, a case where, you know, somebody needs to build that for businesses and they need to contact businesses and help them use it and, you know, probably have customer service or support line. So that does seem like the kinds of things that a centralized mm -hmm. provider would do a good job at. I guess we'll, we would see more of that once we have more maybe messaging use cases or just general normies, let's say, if you want to call it, uh, where, uh, you know, it just becomes more common. Everybody who shows up at this hotel already has a Nostra client, already has a Nostra ID. And so it makes sense to actually order room service with this. Mm. Um, but maybe we're, um, my guess is that's, you know, further than just a few months away, that's maybe, you know, at least maybe a year or more. <laughs> probably, probably. And maybe, you know, and the, the situation is, right, that people have the WhatsApp. And so maybe, and I, I haven't really thought it through, but like, is there a way to like use your WhatsApp account and then be on Nostr like kind of immediately? Mm. Is there like some integration that like, oh, by default right. in Nostr, we generate and pop for you from your phone number and that's your WhatsApp association or right? Like, is there right. maybe some like yeah. trick or technology like that? Um, I don't know. Do, do you think that any of the existing large scale centralized providers will make kind of proactive moves to try to support this? Or do you think they'll just never never make you know maybe it's not a good business decision or or they just it'll be too conflicted uh, of a decision to make to actually make that kind of change yeah i don't i don't see a future where they would do that like i don't i don't think yeah that's i think in those big businesses uh, like all of those people are at least like five years behind what what we are talking about now right mm -hmm. like no one even considered the things we were talking about five years ago you know, and right. we have like developed all of this story after that. Um, so I don't, I don't, see, I don't see that, right? Like they'll, they'll push like their, you know, centralized application and it solves this and it's like good with regulation in different countries. And um, mm -hmm. yeah. Do you think there will be some adaptation the other way? So like one, one example, actually I meant to write a bounty for this, but I would like it if I could, um, let's say that, my, let's say I had a goal to be able to do all of the consumption that I do on Twitter today via Nostr. And let's also go with the hypothesis that 
Twitter is not going to become a Nostra client in the next you know few weeks. Okay, probably <laughs> months if ever. But um, but for now, like let's say we start with that. I could imagine somebody could build a service that would let me show all of the people that I want to follow and pull all of those tweets and publish them for me as a Nostra note. And I can consume that way. I can't reply to them. I can't interact with them. So maybe it needs some other UI feature to tell me, oh, this is only on Twitter. It's not here. But at least it helps me sort of consume in the way that I want or have like an extra tab where I can, you know, read Twitter without interacting with Twitter. And I, I wonder, like, do you think that some of those kinds of, have you seen examples where those kinds of things are already being proposed or kind of like hack projects or stuff like that? Because that, that's one that I think I might write a bounty on. It would be fun to, to be able to have is, such a tool. Is... What is useful is trying to get to the bottom of like, what do you, what would you like, right? Like, what is the thing that you are trying to fix? Is it that you have like a community of people on Twitter and you are missing them on Nostra and you would, you want to have like a reference to them or what, what is the thing that you actually want? What, what do you need? Yeah. So I, um, I like to read information from a bunch of different sources mm -hmm. and some of those sources, it used to be that almost all of the sources that I wanted to read from were on Twitter. And so I could just open Twitter and I could have the experience I want. And now I'd say like, there's plenty of those sources still only published on Twitter, but some of those sources only publish on Noster. And so now I'm busy all day. Okay. Open Twitter, do a little bit there, open Noster, read a little bit there, open Twitter. And I'm sort of back and forth. So kind of what I want is a unified experience for all of the stuff from everywhere I would want to look. And I guess like in the long run, I want a lot of configurability and switches like, oh, if I care to look at, if I ever care to open Instagram, I'd also want to have an ability to pull those photos into that same place. But I don't want five apps or 10 apps or dozens of places that I have to go. I'd like to have one place I can go that I can configure to give me the different UIs and kind of an expressive UI for the kind of consumption that I'm in the mood for right now or for the kind of consumption that I am open to discovery. Yeah, and that makes sense, right? And I'm afraid that that's only possible with open networks. And I don't think, um, and I'm even afraid of like trying to do this with some of the closed networks like Twitter. And so I even wrote a post on Noster about uh, trying to people discourage from doing exactly what you explained. Oh, uh, okay. Uh, saying, and so the reasoning is following. Um, you are essentially, you know, kind of bringing the wars from both sides when you do that, right? Mm. When, and my, my case was like, hey, so what if we just kind of clone the posts from someone and they have like a Nostra generated account and it has all the posts and you can follow them, right? But it comes with multiple issues, right? Because Twitter has specific interactions, like you can like things, you can mm -hmm. uh, quote, or you can like reference people, right? At sign and you, you add someone, uh, you right. can reply to people. And if you try transferring that to Nostra, it, it stops working, right? So right. imagine like yep. uh, someone is writing a tweet and it references multiple people, right? They have like ABC. In Nostra, we don't have those references. We have to like right. rewrite it to Twitter or, or do some, something like that. And so it breaks your experience when you use it on Nostra. Because now you're like, oh, I'm going to Twitter. Why am I doing that, right? And you, you see it. So that's one option. Another, another issue is um, the people that posted it, like, the point of Twitter is you can interact with them, right? They, mm -hmm. they sit on Twitter, you see the post and you can interact with them and they see it, they like it, they reply to you, right? They, they, they have this yep. interaction. You break that by uh, being a Nostra, right? Because you see someone post, I'm like, oh, that's triggering. I want to reply. <laughs> oh, I cannot. Right. What do I do now, right? And right. that makes it even like, that makes it worse. And finally, this actually makes it worse even for the people on Nostra. Like as soon as you start sort of reposting and like liking someone posts that or boosting them or whatever on Noster, other people will see it and they'll be like, oh, cool. Someone posted this thing. Let me right. see. Oh, they are, they are not, they are dead Noster account. Uh, right. right. Yep. Um, it's like a shadow account or something. Like a shadow account. And last point, um, and this is for the people that would set up like an automatic um, sort of reposting, right? Because you may want to be like, hey, I want to write the thing once and I want to post it on both, right? But the issue is that that also breaks the experience of the people that follow you, right? So what happens often in that case, like you write the thing once, it posts it both on Twitter and on Nostra, but at some point you get bored and you stop like using the Nostra platform, right? So your things still get posted there and you have like people replying there and like trying to be like asking you questions, mm -hmm. but you never come back, right? You never see right. those, you never get back to it. And that kind of breaks that experience for those people.
right? Mm -hmm. And so, given all of this, uh, I'm suggesting to people be careful. Like, don't don't do this cloning of information. <laughs> Enjoy the fact that we have separate communities. Like, have right. fun with it. You know, do both. You at least have like a separation, right? You can be like, oh, I have this type of people here and this type of people. Here. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's okay. Um, and why I'm saying all of this, right? So in past, I have been using Mastodon. Mm -hmm. And this is exactly the effect that was happening on Mastodon. Mm, so people created like automated syncing things, automating reposters from Twitter, right? And you would end up with like a full wall of posts on Mastodon from people that are not on Mastodon, right? Yep. And you're like, oh, cool, cool reply. Let me, let me, you know, message you. And like, <laughs> right. Response, right? Why is that? Because that person hasn't been there for a year, but you see still right. every day their post. Um, yeah, so that's my argument against that. <laughs> okay, I, I mean, I, I, I understand those problems, and so mm -hmm. I, I, I don't feel so strongly at, at, at that. The same time, at the same time, I, I hear you, right? Like you want this centralized view of what's happening, and you want to be able to control it and mix and match. Uh, and yeah, I think that's that's use case there. And I think I think I'm imagining a future where any message on the internet that I have access to. I can configure how I see it. Right. Mm. So my view is like, look, maybe it come instead of just trusting that Apple is going to send me whichever push notice the OS decides is okay, or saying that maybe Slack is on or WhatsApp is off, I can just have like here's every message that I have access to, whether it came from a Slack like experience or a WhatsApp experience, or maybe we should wait until all of these experiences get rebuilt as Nostra clients. Like I think that's I think you're kind of advocating that. Like, I think it's reasonably a credible mm -hmm. uh, direction. I'm not, not suggesting like it's obviously wrong, but I could also see a version where I say like, look, the world is not all going to be on Nostr tomorrow. It's going to take a long time before everybody figures it out. It's a new mechanism and new modality, all kinds of new contours of things that you have to really get through and learn. And so it's not going to happen overnight. So instead, can I at least see the future by kind of creating the experience, knowing the flaws, but creating the experience that I think kind of a fully interoperable messaging service that has fully configurable UI and UX that I can flip the switches and make it do the thing I want, how I want. And I can even have a little note that says, hey, this one came from Twitter. So you have to click through and interact with them on Twitter if you want to interact with this tweet. This is not a Nostr node. This is a tweet, but it's been repurposed. And so there's a UI that helps me do that. But basically, in a sense, it's almost like a like a messaging OS is a, like a, a, a Nostra client that's a messaging OS. And it just has like a Twitter, like, you know, a, a actually showing me the tweets, but then actually showing me the notes and then showing me my Slack messages and my DMs and my, you know, I, I sort of like, I kind of want to see what that looks like and feels like. So that's like this idea of the repurpose, every single concern you expressed, I 100% agree with. I just also wonder like, is there a, like, what does it feel like to, to have those, those experiences? And like, cause I, I think in the future we will have something like that, but it may take quite a long time before we get it. So I just always like to, you know, play with that, even if it's hacky and breaks in all the ways that you mentioned, um, not meant to be maybe like a mass market consumer product, but an, you know, an, an early look at what the future may look like. That's kind of my, my and pitch I like for that, it. Right? And I'm, I'm interested in how that works out, but just. To be devil's advocate, right? And I, I hear you, and I, I think I have a similar sort of wish. I, I wish I would have like this experience. But to be a devil's advocate, there, right? The are you sure that you really want all of those thousands of different feeds of information to be thrown at you in a single uh, box, in a single experience, or would you rather have those be compartmentalized? I cannot spell that. Uh, into mm -hmm. different experiences and you have like a dedicated spot. One of those you open in a kitchen, the other one on when you're sitting on a rest, you know, in a restroom, right, uh, right. right? Like, do you, is there like a separation that you would like to have between those experiences or are you really, do you really want to have those in the same box? Yeah. I mean, I, I think they all live on Mac OS today. So True. that's the layer of, that's the size of my mm -hmm. box. That's the scope of my box. But within that, I don't really have the choice of like, can I take my Slack DMs and route them through a messaging client, but the Slack channels keep them in the Slack app. Like that customizability right. isn't possible today, but mm -hmm. they all live within the OS. So I guess what I'm proposing is 
I want like a messaging OS where I can at least do these things. Cause I, I think if you go far forward in the future, like the future has this thing, right? I, I can't, I don't think I can be convinced that the future doesn't have that, but it, but I don't know if it's two years out, 10 years out, even more, I don't know. Um, but I want to see what that looks like and feels like. And so today I accept it as is, but um, I think more flexibility, more user choice. And it's not to say that everybody wants to, you know, if there's thousands of settings and not basically everybody's going to accept the defaults. But I think what's interesting is you could have a different set of defaults and I could be like, you know what? I don't really want to configure them, but I know that now has already done a great job and I trust his, he, he set it up. So I just want to like take the template of his crazy settings that he's done. I just want to like import the settings and then I get the, the now experience. Then I can like refine from there. Oh, I don't, I, I like Slack, but not discord or something. Right. So I can, can sort of tweak, but, um, but like th this was, I was talking to, I don't know if you saw the video I made with uh, David Nacham. He was on the Gmail team at Google and he oh, was right. telling me about how it's almost like the, the settings page of Gmail was like where every product manager's pet project would live. And so it had like this crazy settings page with all these little niche features and use cases. And, you know, very few things actually graduated up to be proper tier one Gmail features. But, um, but I think it, there's something actually instructive about that for Nostra, which is like a big tech company builds for a billion people. And you sort of have to pick the lowest common denominator that's palatable, understandable, acceptable, and useful and clear to a billion people or so. Yeah. And I think with something like the Gmail settings screen, they were trying to say, okay, this is maybe only a hundred thousand people in the world will care to, about the setting, but they care so deeply that we'll put the setting in and then they'll use it. They'll love it. It'll just be like a much, much better email experience. And like a settings page on Gmail is sort of buried in the weeds. Mostly nobody knows it, but if you could say, oh, here's a client, it was built for people who maybe have a, maybe a heart of vision. They need a different vision setting because they have like some sort of partial blindness. Uh, and they also read right to left languages. And so they need like special set of features that really work for that. And big tech company serving a billion people probably doesn't really care about that use case. Uh, but the, the Gmail settings page is like the first kind of, uh, kind of peak we get at, at what it would look like if you could configure Gmail for thousands of different cases, many of which are just not discoverable today. But that's kind of what, that's what inspires me about Nostra is we can actually try these and they can have first class clients. They could have their own settings pages that get merged in. There could be like, like a labs in a playground area where I could like, let me take Domus, but then have, you know, Domus with the DK setting that has it exactly how I want. That's, that's sort of like the, the future. I just think there's gonna be so much, you know, just an insane amount of innovation at the UI layer that we've just never had because it just doesn't fit within the priorities of a, of a centralized provider. I like that. And I like that this is shifting to the point where the user can like do their own sort of defensive in a way, but like build their experience on their own and not dictated by a single application. That's, that's the, that's the power. And like, have you seen, by the way, I, I shared with you the article about designing for emergence. Yes. Yes, I did. Yeah. That's have cool. You seen it? Have you seen it? I, I had I only that, seen it when you shared it, but yeah. I think that's exactly the, the big point of Noster, right? And you know, I'm probably not going to explain it well, but like the main, main argument in the, in the article is that like often the companies will be designing for the big majority case, right? Like you have half a billion people have this thing and have this need. Yep. And you need to give them a single nice uh, Gmail type of UI. Um, the, what the article is arguing, well, okay, but then there is this like a tale of use cases that are crazy. And maybe like one person has that use case in the yep. world, right? And yep. so would that company, should that company build for them, right? And what it was kind of getting to is there is a way how to design for that, right? For that yeah. tail of experiences. And you sort of need to shift more into something like we are seeing with Nostr into yeah. almost like a protocol or a tool level thing, right? That like, yeah, you just hook those two together and like, yeah, you do the thing you want. Boom, done, right? And all of them yeah. are nicely pluggable, right? Uh, and so that's why I'm excited about Nostr because it's covering exactly this long tail of needs and like you can, I want a pink view. Like, okay, yeah, you get a pink view. I want a picture of a cat for every yep. post I post. You get uh, it, right? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. That's great. Well, that's that's an inspiring future. So I'll I'll link the um I'll link the emergence uh, blog post that you mentioned in the 
in the uh, in the YouTube uh, description okay. so people can explore the blog post. Um, you know, I know that we're a little bit over time already, and we've only we've got so many more topics we could talk about. So I'll just have to to leave, you know leave it with a thank you and and suggest that we do this again sometime soon so we can cover more of these topics. Because I, I I had a great time talking to you and learning from you about kind of all of your privacy ideas and sort of your your ideas about being a NIM online. I, I've never talked to anybody who has really exercised it the way you have. So I really appreciate you coming to share that, but man, we could go on, uh, we could go on all day. So I think we have to, uh, <laughs> have to I, call, I call it a pause could, yeah. on this one. Thank you so much. This was, this was really fun for me and we should, we should meet for beer sometimes and we'll figure it out. Yeah. Sounds Let's good. do it. That'll be time. fun. Okay. <laughs> we'll see you. All right. And